Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. He will, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Our epistle reading is from Romans chapter 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do not, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my body, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory Glory to to you, you, O O Lord. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And you know, even as I speak those words, grace, mercy, and peace to you, that that extension of peace to one another is such a gift. And that peace that we have with God is a symbol, a sign of his gentleness toward us. 
And that's what we're going to look at today from our reading from Matthew. Jesus speaks some of the most encouraging words in all of Scripture, some words which have become words of comfort for God's people for generations. Those words of comfort sound like this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." As God removes our burden from us, as God lightens our load, as God takes those things from us, he demonstrates for us an important piece of his character. He reveals to us that he is the gentle God. Now, as I think about, as I think about gentleness, I think about something that uh, my friends uh, Andrew and Caitlin Osborne taught me recently. Um, I, this is just a normal old chicken egg, right? The, a normal old chicken egg. And, and what they taught me is that if you give a normal old chicken egg to a dog, and you hand it to the dog, give it to the dog in its mouth, that the dog will, will gently take it and essentially even not know what to do with it. They did it with their dog, in fact. And, and the dog, like, it just kind of takes it and it sort of runs around like it's got this burden and it knows that it has to be gentle with the egg or else it'll crush it. And, and, and as it takes the egg and runs around, it sort of doesn't know what to do with itself because it's suddenly been entrusted with this great responsibility of keeping the egg intact. And somehow instinctively, the dog knows that it has to be gentle. And gentleness is like that. I mean, think of, think of the power of a dog's bite. Think of how destructive that bite can be. And yet here is the dog restraining that power, in fact, using that power in gentleness to care for the egg. Now, okay, two disclaimers. First of all, uh, I want you to know that I am not advocating that you go and do this. So if you end up with egg around your house because you gave your dog an egg to run around with, that's not my fault. But the second thing is I will say I have seen it with their dogs. Once the dog tastes the egg, and realizes what's inside the shell, it's suddenly not so gentle with any egg that you give it after that. So those are my two disclaimers. But it's that sense of gentleness and the power that protects, that, that reminds me of God and what God does for us. Now, I'm gonna put that egg back over here because I am not known for my gentleness and I will probably crush that egg. But I want you to think about the gentleness that God demonstrates for us in Jesus Christ. I want you to think about how God speaks these words into our lives today and how these words, when they're understood in their context, when they're understood in their depth and richness, become more than just, well, more than just bumper sticker theology. They become a source of comfort for us as God's people. So let's start with the context, okay? Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is, is really characterizing this chapter by, uh, by miracles and misunderstandings. He's performing miracles among the people. He's going out and he's, he's doing these amazing things that demonstrate the kingdom of God. He's going out and healing and doing things that, that really cause people to be drawn toward him. Well, at this same time, John the Baptist, and you remember John the Baptist is he's the, the cousin of Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus, the one who, who proclaims that Jesus is coming. John the Baptist has been put in prison. And from prison, John sends some of his disciples, right? John the Baptist had followers as well. And some of those followers became followers of Jesus, his closest disciples. He, he sends some of his disciples to go find Jesus and to ask them a question. He wants the question asked of Jesus. And the question is this, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who, who was foretold that you would be coming? Are you the one? Are you the guy or not? And with this, this question, he, he was asking Jesus all sorts of things, and there are many things wrapped up in that question of John the Baptist, and they're, they're for another sermon at another time. But I just want to focus on Jesus' reaction, on the response to the question the disciples of John the Baptist bring to him. 
Jesus doesn't say, get out of here. Instead, he says to them in response to the question, are you the guy or the one that we were waiting for? He says, what do you see? Go and tell John. Go, go tell him all the things that I'm doing. Go, go tell him the things that you're seeing me do right now. Go tell John. And what are they going to tell him? They're going to tell John about the fact that they've seen people who are lame who can now walk. People who are blind who can now see. People who are mute who can now speak. People who had leprosy, skin disease, who are now suddenly cured. People who were dead, who had been raised to life. Jesus says, go tell John these things. And in so doing, John will know that I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament law and the prophets. In telling John these things, they they will know, he will see, he will see what God the Father is doing through me. Go and report to John all of these things. Now, Now that in and of itself is important because Jesus is demonstrating his gentleness in his care for all of those around him. And he's demonstrating his gentleness also to John and his disciples by explaining to them what he's been doing, by explaining who God is as a result of this. But then what John, what Jesus, excuse me, does next, well, that's not gentle Jesus. Because the next thing that he does is he, he speaks into the context, the place in which all of these miracles happen. He speaks to the crowds of people that have gathered around him. And the crowds that have gathered around him are from all over the place. And then Jesus starts pronouncing woes. Woe to you for this city and that. Woe to this place where this miracle happened and that place where this miracle happened. And he says to each one of them, woe to you. How could you not understand? How could you not believe in what God was doing through me? How could you not believe in who I was? Those words that Jesus speaks aren't gentle Jesus. They they don't demonstrate the same type of care. Instead, they demonstrate Jesus' power in that situation. They demonstrate the the power that he rightfully has, but that at times he uses to call people out. The same power that allows him also to protect those who are closest to him, to protect those who are in greatest need, to protect those who are calling on him and turning to him. That's what Jesus does immediately before this. And then the next thing are, are verses for today. At that time, Jesus said, at that time, when all this was happening, Jesus said, I praise you, God, my Father. I praise you, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this you are pleased to do. Right? He tells them that these are things that should be understood, that things that he's demonstrating are ways that they can see God because he's revealing him to them. They don't see it because in their wisdom, they're so busy asking questions that aren't theirs to know. And he essentially says, wouldn't it be nice if you could just approach these things like a little child? It's something else that Jesus says the other times in his ministry. Now, I don't know where, where you are, but, but this is something when I hear these words that speaks directly to me. Because there are things that I get my mind absolutely wrapped around and around. There, there are things that I wish I could say I understood, but I absolutely do not understand. And some of them you understand probably intrinsically, but, but not me. I'll give you an example. I don't understand how this works, right? Like, like normal TV even. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how I can be standing here in Fishers and I can be preaching to a, a box of glass, metal, and plastic that's then taking somehow this image and this sound and it's 
making it into lines of digital code that are then gonna be, are beamed up for regular TV, are beamed up to a satellite, which by the way is thousands of miles away above the earth, and then comes back, maybe not thousands of miles, see I don't even know that distance, and then are beamed back down into another box of glass and metal and plastic, which then deciphers the code and somehow turns that back into an image that is the same as what it was in Fisher's. I don't understand how this works. And sometimes when I'm watching TV, and you can tell I don't watch a lot of very interesting TV, I spend my time thinking about that and not about the content of the TV program. Now, if I'm sitting with a little kid, and I've done this before, I'm not gonna lie to you, And I say to the little kid, do you ever think of how amazing TV is? I mean, do you ever think of the fact that what's happening on the screen isn't really happening here, it's happening someplace else? You know what the little kid does? They just sort of look and shake their heads and go, I I don't know anything about that. Just watch and enjoy the show. Now, now there's some wisdom in that, right? In fact, that's, that's pretty similar to what Jesus says. Not watch the show as if he's trying to entertain people but he tells them to pay attention. Pay attention to Jesus, that's pretty good advice. And when we pay attention to Jesus, we see that he is revealing the Father to us. See, that's what he was doing at that time as well. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. No one knows the Father except the Son. The Son is revealing the Father. Excuse me. He's revealing the Father's character. He's showing them who the Father is, that he would send his Son into this world, that he would allow his Son to perform these miracles, that he would do these amazing things. And yet those around were getting lost in questions. Who? What? How? Why? And Jesus says, Pay attention to me and you will understand. Pay attention to the things that I'm doing and you will see the Father. Pay attention to me and you will see God revealed. And now I do want to say something about the end of that verse. I don't want you to think I'm trying to avoid it. When he says, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And you say, well, doesn't doesn't he choose to reveal the Father to everyone? And the answer is yes and no. At the time, the answer was no because he was still in the midst of his ministry. But later, in Matthew 28, these words will find fulfillment when Jesus again says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. At that point, he says, yes, I'm revealing the Father to all people so that all will know what my Father has done. That's a benefit for us, isn't it? But, But go back to the words that Jesus is speaking there. Pay attention. Pay attention to Jesus and you will see God as he wishes to be seen. Pay attention to Jesus and let your minds be at rest. Because when you pay attention to Jesus, you see God doing the things that we can't do. So we don't have to try to grasp things with our mind that are not ours to know. That instead we can be at peace. We can be at peace with knowing that God is God and we are not. We can be at peace, we can be at rest, we can be still, pay attention to Jesus. Now those words should remind you a little of Psalm 46 in the Old Testament. You see, this wasn't some new teaching. In fact, this was something that had been a comfort for God's people for generations. 
been comfort for his people since Psalm 46 was written. And Psalm 46 is another familiar one, something that has brought comfort to God's people. Psalm 46 speaks of, of a God who is present with us no matter the circumstance. There's a refrain. That refrain is repeated in the midst of the devastation and destruction of the world, and it goes like this. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Though the world might crumble around us, though all these things, this devastation and destruction might be happening, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then the psalmist concludes by saying, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know and see what God is doing. See him at work in the midst of all the destruction of the world. See him at work in your life. See his gentleness as by his power he protects you. For he is your fortress. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the way we might, we might say that today, God's got this. God's got this. He's in control. Now think uh, think of what a comfort that is. Think of, think of how the context of these words from Matthew 11 now lend to our understanding and they increase the sense of rest that we have in Jesus Christ. When we start to see this, this becomes the truly comforting part where it moves from biblical theory to biblical application, to understanding that no matter what season of life, no matter what situations we're in, that God is with us. Go back to the text the text that began with miracles and misunderstanding and think of the world around us. You see, Jesus, when he went to perform a miracle, was dealing with someone who was really dealing with the most difficult situation of their life. He went and he, he touched someone who was dealing with the wreckage of this world. He healed blindness, brokenness, death. The Lord Almighty was with his people. The God of Jacob was their fortress. People who had been in crisis, plagued by the world, those who had been affected even by their own sin, now, now saw God doing something about it, saw God relieving their pain. The Lord Almighty was there. Jesus showed up. Pay attention to Jesus. Pay attention to what he is doing. When he says, come to me when you are weary and burdened, Jesus is speaking directly into the situations of his people who are dealing with the brokenness of the world, the wreckage of the world, the crises of the world. So where are you? Are, are, you, feeling, are you feeling harassed and hopeless? Are you feeling uncertain and insecure? Are you feeling like you don't know what's next and, and you feel like you're out of control? The invitation is still for you. Jesus is declaring, I know what you're going through. I, I see the devastation that sin has brought. And so I've made you a promise. The Lord Almighty is with you. The God of Jacob is your fortress. The invitation still stands. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Jesus is inviting you to unhitch from all of those things, to release them, to let go of that burden and to allow him to pull the load for you, to come alongside him on his yoke. And as he does all of that work and you see his power, you will see a demonstration 
of his gentleness for you. You will see him, him carrying you along with the gentleness that you need. You'll see him giving you a peace which he alone can grant to you because he's doing all that work for you. You can be at peace. So brothers and sisters, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what happens in the world and the community around you, pay attention to Jesus. Because his invitation is for you. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon yourself and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pay attention to Jesus. Praise be to Jesus Christ, now and in the church forever. Amen.